0: This is the black and blue report presented by ABC insurance agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from studio B or wherever the saints or Pelicans might be, here's
1: Sean Kelly. Hi
2: everybody. Welcome in. Happy Monday to you. And uh, we're glad that you're with us on this edition of the black and blue report podcast. coming to you from studio B. Good to be back in the Oscar sports performance center after a Pelicans road trip and a Saints bye week We've Got lots to talk about as we set the table for a very busy week on both sides of uh, our campus here off of Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly. Daniel Sallerson will join in just a moment. He will uh, help us look back at the Pelicans road trip that saw a win last night in Chicago. Yep, the Pels beat the Bulls 108-95. to We'll play back Alvin Gentry's post-game comments for you. On the basketball side, we'll still also look at The league in general, the NBA, as we get set for the beginning of the regular season. And I always treasure my visits with multi-NBA champ Bill Winnington, who's, of course, the radio analyst for the Chicago Bulls. I'll get Bill's take on some of the stories leading up to the season for the NBA and uh, maybe even a little more specific about the Eastern Conference, that conference that we don't see as much as we do certainly of the West. So we've got lots of great basketball conversation for you. And on the football side, we jump back into it. Game week now. A home one at that is the Saints welcome in the Detroit Lions. By the way, the Lions. (laughs) That team has shown already that there is no lead safe. They they almost knocked out Carolina yesterday. And, oh, by the way, what do you say about the Panthers now? After seemingly what was a bottoming out performance against the Saints a couple of weeks ago, they have gone on to beat New England on the road and then now – the Detroit Lions, who I think is one of the best teams in the NFC. So it was a really crazy day, weekend rather, in the NFL, and it continues tonight when Chicago rolls out their rookie quarterback. But injuries yesterday, impactful injuries in the NFL, and then those games of interest like Carolina hanging on to beat Detroit, and and now that that impact New Orleans Saints this week as they jump back in and taking on the Lions on Sunday. There was a... a um, a pile of stuff from the past bye week but then yet again there wasn't a whole lot because the team was on a bye and and thankfully riding the two-game high of the wins posted most recently to have New Orleans at two and two so on the football side I think we kind of need to reset things a little bit and to, to do so here right off the bat we welcome in uh, John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com to help us kind of untangle all that stuff John as I mentioned we We've had this bye week where not a whole lot goes on, but yet a lot of things have gone on since the Saints won their last game against the Miami Dolphins in uh, London and now get set for a home game against a very good Detroit team. Welcome back, and uh, help me understand and help our fans kind of get up to speed, John, on, on, on where things go as we reset the Saints' season
3: we know the things are coming off two great defensive performances uh allowed less than 300 yards in back-to-back games against carolina and then miami over in london so um they're on a defensive high and, and yet you know they're pretty uh pleased uh, that to have some guys coming back now maybe you know you assume cornerback uh, delvin bro will be back pretty soon um i think it wouldn't surprise me if left tackle um teron armstead is not back maybe with the detroit game he had been in some limited capacity work uh, over in London, and it was the most extensive work we have seen him have since he injured his rotator cuff and had the surgery. So it looks like those two guys will be back really, really soon. The bad part for the Saints is now they're going to be missing two significant members of the team. Um, linebacker um, Alex Anzalone went out of the game in, in London with an injury. He's been placed on injured reserve. Don't know his status in terms of maybe return for the season, but you know, it didn't look great when he went off the field uh, early against Miami. And now veteran uh, right tackle Zach Strief, also on injury reserve with a, with a knee injury. Again, we know Zach had missed a couple of games already. He started the season opener. He missed the next two games. Then he started against Miami. He injured his knee in the season opener, has injured it again. He's now on injury reserve. And, you know, you have that short-time IR now where some guys are able to come back. But we're just not exactly sure what Zach's, status is in terms of returning. Now, the good thing about, you know, well, there is no good thing about Zach Street missing. Let me let me rephrase that. But what Saints fans and the Saints themselves should be comfort, comforted with is that uh, rookie Ryan Ramczyk has been everything and more that they thought he might be playing tackle. He's played left tackle. He's played at right tackle. we will probably go back to right tackle with Zach Street being out. He finished up against Miami uh, at right tackle. He played the two games that Zach missed at right tackle. That's the position that the Saints drafted him to play. So they've got an instant fill in right there. And you don't worry so much about left tackle because Andrews Pete has played that position substantially the last couple of seasons. And even if you don't have Andrews Pete at left tackle, that means more than likely that Teron Armstead will be back playing on that tackle. So you feel good if you're the Saints from that standpoint. But those oh are a couple of big, big injuries uh, that the Saints suffered over in over in London against Miami. It looked like those guys might be gone for the season. Again, we don't know exactly what their status might be, but those guys should be out for they, – they will be out for a, a bit of time, and, and the Saints hopefully will be able to, to navigate without them.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And obviously now there are some holes to plug, and, and I was so headlong into basketball last week that I got lost in what seemed like a tornado of transactions and reports about guys coming in and, and whatnot. John, what, what can we – what can we know at this point about who the Saints have decided to bring in to, to plug some of these holes, and, 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 and are those names that we have to pay particular attention to um, because it might be significant on the field?
3: Well, I don't think we have to pay great attention to, to detail on those names because mostly they, they're, they're coming in to play special teams. For, for Alex Anzalone, as we just mentioned, Zach Street, he's going to be replaced by Ryan, Ryan Ramczyk. Uh, Alex Anzalone will be replaced more than likely by Craig Robertson or Nate Stupar or one of those guys, you know, maybe Manti Teo, you know, someone along that, along those lines who's already been playing. So they did bring in some guys to, to kind of buffer the, the rotation in terms of having some guys to help out on special teams. But you don't want – you don't expect to see those guys in the regular rotation. You probably won't see them in the regular rotation. And so, you know, the things feel like they're pretty good front line-wise. You're going to have to have some offensive line depth, obviously, Arsenio Calibete is the guy that they have. They already have Josh Laribas played some against Miami also. So those two guys are standbys to come in offensive line-wise. So I think they feel pretty good with the guys that they have. Again, you have to bring in some guys to buffer your, your roster and help out and supplement your special teams' lives. But you know, we don't expect to see those guys make a huge impact in terms of the regular rotation.
2: John, I don't want to focus all on, on in injuries and negatives here, I, and I'm glad that at the start of our visit today you – you know, you did point out that the defense is riding, you know, a particular high here as they've laid down two really good games on tape. And we're seeing, as you mentioned with Ramcheck, uh, this, um, I guess, this value in, in, in the newcomers. I guess I do want to expand upon the positive a little bit here as well because they have won two straight. And Marshawn Lattimore has proven himself in a way that I think that we had hoped. Uh, The same maybe would go for a guy like Marcus Williams or Alvin Kamara. There are some things as we reset the season that um, help to offset the sting of the injury news and and whatnot, too.
3: Well, I mean, you know, think about it. This this offense has not turned over the ball in four games, uh, which the Saints have never done before in the first four games of a a season, not committed a turnover. So that's obviously a, a high. Drew Brees, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, a high for Drew Brees, and you know we've seen some excellence out of him over the years, obviously. But that's another high note. Um, Ryan Ramczyk has been, you know, I, I hate to use a word like godsend or anything like that, but look, the trade for Brandon Cooks when Brandon Cooks went to New England and the Saints got that first-round draft pick, and it was number 32 overall, and. I know a lot of people bemoaned that fact that, you know, it was the number two, 32 pick and they wanted the Saints to be able to get Malcolm Butler, the cornerback, and those kinds of things. Well, Ryan Ramchek at tackle has turned out to be critical to the Saints offensively. And they made some, made some discoveries. Well, not necessarily, I shouldn't say discoveries, but they've kind of rediscovered some guys offensively, notably cornerback Ken Crawley, who was inactive the first two games. He started the last two games. And I don't know how. He's going to be, I don't know how they're going to be able to take him out of the lineup. He's played that well the last couple of games. And you put him out there with either P.J. Williams or you put him out there with Marshawn Lattimore. Now you've got three cornerbacks that you feel really, really good about. And if Delvin Bro can get, come back and be the Delvin Bro that he was two years ago in his first season with the Saints, now all of a sudden, cornerback becomes a position of strength for the Saints. Uh, we like what we see out of the safeties, uh, especially these last couple of games. And, and, you know, you can say that Carolina and Miami didn't have the most formidable offenses uh, to go against. Well, look, all you can do is play against the teams that line up against you. And, and let's be frank here, last year or the year before or the year before that, those same two teams might have wreaked havoc on the Saints um, offensively. So the Saints defense being able to stand up and play the, the way they have the last couple of weeks, uh, it has been has been more than gratifying pitching their first shutout since I think the 2012 season or something like that, or maybe was, I think it was 2012 season, uh, week 15, they hadn't had a shutout since then. Um, so they have really had some good things to build on uh, offensively and defensively. And, and the rookie class, I just mentioned Ryan Ramchick. Um Well, Alvin Kamara, Kamara is looking every bit what the Saints expected him to be in terms of a guy who came in and was that next in the line behind Reggie Bush and Darren Sproles. He looks very much to be that guy and a guy who's capable of running between the tackles. Uh, Marcus Williams had his first career interception uh, at safety, and he's playing a lot in the three safety alignment, and he's starting also. We already mentioned it. And Zalone, yes, he's hurt now, but he started the first four games. That tells you how much the Saints have regard for him. So they're getting a lot out of this rookie class. They're getting a lot out of last year's rookie class, and it seems like things have, are, are hopefully coming together at the right time.
2: Yeah, no doubt, and. And, boy, do they need to continue to roll in the right direction here because as we now look ahead to this new week and get back into the routine again, uh, there's a Detroit Lions team that probably is smarting a little bit from this past weekend, but make mo- no mistake, I still think that the Lions are one of the best teams in the NFC, and they will test the Saints in six different ways this Sunday, come this Sunday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome.
3: Well, look, the Lions have a really, really good team that, has got a lot of confidence. Even though they didn't win yesterday, they made another late comeback against Carolina to push that game. And they're a team, no lead appears to be safe against them. Now, the Saints are probably smart a little bit because Detroit handed it to them pretty well last year. Um, beat them up pretty good, and I think that was the game where Drew Brees also entered his, injured his plan in of fashion. He didn't end up missing any games, but he did get injured in that game. Well, Detroit is a team that is very good, a very good team that went to the playoffs that – that kind of has a good feel for who they are and what they're capable of doing. Matthew Stafford, now the highest-paid player in NFL history, is a fantastic quarterback. And so that secondary that has played so well for the Saints the last couple of of games, they're really going to have to step up against Detroit. That pass rush that has been so fantastic the past couple of games with four sacks apiece against Carolina and against Miami, They're going to have to have that kind of pressure against Stafford because if you don't get to him, he's going to carve you up pretty good. So the Saints are going to have to be on point. They're going to have to be really, really sharp in what they're doing defensively against Detroit. And at some point, we've only seen the Saints' offense really for maybe a game in terms of scoring, and that was against Carolina when they scored 34 points. But we haven't seen that Saints' offense that's capable of putting up 450, 500 yards and 35 points. We haven't seen that offense yet. Maybe the Detroit game is where we'll see that offense.
2: Indeed. John, maybe you'll have to hold me back a little bit this week when we're working together you know, at practice and whatnot, but I can't help but be very excited about this week for the New Orleans Saints because, A, they're back home. That'll <laughs> be great. But, two, John, a win this week not only gives them a winning record for the first time in a couple of years, but, man, if you sit there at 3-2, and two, you are right in the thick of everything with so much still to play for.
3: Yeah, I mean, nobody is going to, I don't think, run away with the NFC South Division. Nobody's going to, I don't think, run away with the NFC conference-wise, to be honest with you. So the Saints are right in the thick of it. And as you just mentioned, the Saints haven't had a winning record since 2013. Uh, they haven't had a win, and let me repeat that. They haven't had any record at this time of year or winning record period since 2013. So, to have a chance to get over 500 um, and hopefully kind of stack up some wins and get a little something in the bank, when, you know, so, so when trouble comes down the line, you know, you have a little something to buffer it with. But, man, it'd be so nice for this team to be able to get over 500, get over that hump. They've gotten two 500 the last couple of years have not been able to get over 500 so to get above 500 man would have to make them feel pretty good about themselves again considering nobody's going to run away with this division it doesn't appear nobody's going to run away in the conference it doesn't appear
2: yep going to be a busy but i think good week to say the least great to have you back john i appreciate it i hope that you got a breath over the weekend because here we go headlong into it once more with a home game this weekend
3: Yeah, we're really
2: going to dive into it and start rolling here pretty soon, so looking forward to it. No doubt. Don DeShazer, NewOrleansSaints.com. Look for him, of course, all week long, and it'll be great to uh, be coming to you, John and myself, and the rest of our crew this Sunday. We'll be previewing the game uh, throughout. So, all right, with that being said, we'll take our first break. When we come back, we jump into the Pelicans world. Daniel Salerson, Alvin Gentry, in just a moment.
0: There are plenty of good reasons to attend the Sanderson Farms Championship, about 150,000 good reasons. Batson Children's Hospital, part of Children's of Mississippi, averages 150,000 patient visits a year. And each year, proceeds from the championship support these patients by donating to Friends of Children's Hospital. Last year, the championship raised over $1 million for friends. So join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship, October 23rd through 29th, at the Country Club of Jackson. Good reason for a great time. 50 years ago a groovy new golf gig first teed off in Mississippi the tournament now known as the Sanderson Farms Championship to celebrate join us October 23rd through 29th at the Country Club of Jackson for first class golf waves of fun and 100% natural Sanderson Farms chicken all to raise money for friends of Children's Hospital don't miss this 50th anniversary celebration visit sandersonfarmschampionship.com for tickets today We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report.
2: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Time to turn our attention to the New Orleans Pelicans. And uh, with that, Daniel Salerson has popped in here to Studio B with me. Uh, Good Monday morning, Daniel. I feel like I saw you just hours ago.
1: I feel like a zombie, but I'm in here. How are you, sir?
2: (laughs) I'm doing pretty much the same, but I'm in a good mood, uh, especially after the Pelicans won last night, beating the Bulls 108-95. And uh, we got a taste of the Pelicans on the road for the first time. They split the two games, and I go. I know they're only preseason games, but you called the game on Friday night in Oklahoma City. You were there courtside last night in Chicago. Uh, other than the Rajon Rondo thing, which we'll touch upon in a moment, what were some of your key takeaways from the two road games here in this preseason?
1: Well, I thought I liked how uh, Anthony Davis DeMarcus Cousins played on the trip, especially when they are on the floor at the same time. Um, I also liked how the pace, I thought we were at a pretty fast, Uh, fast pace in both games which is what Alvin Gentry wants there were times where it was pretty slow especially in that first half last night against the Bulls but overall I thought the pace was well I thought Davis and Cousins did well and uh, at times you saw some good contributions off the bench. Tuan Moore who started last night Ian Clark Uh, overall I thought I thought a pretty good road trip there's some things that obviously they need to work on but I thought for the most part the Pelicans played pretty good on this road trip
2: yeah, Anthony Davis last night led them all with 37 points, 15 rebounds, 22 of 23 at the free throw line. And DeMarcus Cousins, both guys played about 35 minutes. DeMarcus Cousins was flirting with a triple-double, 22 points, nine rebounds, nine assists, and Drew Holiday, um, you know, without Rondo, uh, had 19 points on 8 of 12 shooting. And, and I thought, you know, Daniel, the other thing that and, – and speak to Friday if you don't mind, but certainly in the game that I was a part of last night – defensively, I like the way that the Pelicans played as well.
1: Yeah, I think they forced uh, some pretty bad shots with Oklahoma City on Friday. Of course, you're going to have Paul George, Carmel Anthony, Russell Westford. They're going to make some. But I thought for the most part, defensively, they did play well against uh, the Thunder's main guys. And I thought they did the same last night as well. Um, There was a lot of shots that the Bulls missed. But at the same time, you hold them to 37%. I thought defensively they played pretty well. Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, the only thing about the weekend that's really kind of a downer was the, the news yesterday about Rajan Rondo. Uh, Coach Gentry explained that Rondo has been diagnosed with a sports hernia. As we understand it, he is to see a specialist today uh, regarding the next step, which might be surgery. Uh, I think that, you know, we'll learn a whole lot more either later today or tomorrow, Daniel, but, you know, by all accounts or speculation or anything else, the the Pelicans are going to have to – figure out how to do without a uh, big piece that they brought in this offseason and that's Rajon Rondo here at the start of this campaign
1: yeah the good news is you have Drew Holiday who is capable obviously of running the point guard because he's done it for so long um, but you do lose some do- uh, depth at guard because now you have to worry about who's going to come in for Drew it would be your backup point guard we saw at times each Moore carrying the ball up we saw Ian Clark do it a little bit and also we saw some of the big man bring up the, uh, bring the ball up the floor including to Marcus Cousins so It's a huge loss. I know Rondo has been a good locker room guy. Everyone talks about how great of a a leader he is and also his basketball IQ and his, you know, that aspect on the court I think is a bigger loss than anything. So the good thing is you have Drew Holiday here that can play the point, but now who's going to step up off the bench as far as the guard play is concerned now that you lose Rondo?
2: Good point, good point. Uh, And there is a lot of practice time now ahead for the Pelicans. They will not play again until Friday. Okay, uh, with that, we'll uh, we'll send you back to Chicago last night where Alvin Gentry met with uh, us and the rest of the media following their win over the Chicago Bulls. Coach, your thoughts on tonight, a win here in Chicago?
0: I'm eating pizza, I'm eating. <laughs> <laughs> that home that home good day. Chicago deep I'm dish pizza, it. I know. Yeah, I'll give the plug, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <clears throat> no, I thought we did a good job. I thought early on we were forcing a couple of things and, uh, uh, you know, I thought when we got settled down and got a little better ball movement and people movement, we were fine.
2: What was it about the uh, second quarter that saw that settling down? What did they start doing to to make you more pleased? I guess at their at their effort.
0: Just better ball movement. I thought we did. Uh, we had better ball movement, better people movement as far as cuts and things like that. Uh, you know, we got two big guys that are very willing passers, and we were just kind of standing around. So, I think when we actually started to cut and do some things that. Uh, We were able to come up with some easy basket, and it also opened the floor up.
2: How about the free throws tonight, Coach? I mean, obviously, that's a very impressive number. Is that something that you all can perhaps lean on in the regular season, too?
0: Well, that's what we're hoping. You know, we're looking at a situation where, you know, we have two big, good inside players. And, uh, you know, our advantage, we feel like, is going to be that both those guys have the ability to post up and attack the basket you know obviously shooting I think Anthony shot 23 free throws or something like that but uh, when you're taking the ball to the basket you put a lot of pressure on the officials to to make calls and uh, you know if you're taking it strong then you know you get you you, you, there's a possibility of getting to the line a lot of times.
2: Coach obviously the backcourt is going to be a story here this week how did you see your guards play through it tonight?
0: I thought we were fine you know it's still a we're, you know, it's still a learning process for a lot of the things. You know, now all of a sudden a couple of guys' roles have changed, uh, you know, for, uh, until we get uh, Rondo back, which we'll find out, you know, more about that tomorrow. Uh, but I thought for the most part they tried to do exactly what we asked them to do. I thought Drew was a little more aggressive, uh, you know, really the second quarter and then the rest of the game than he, than he was in the first quarter. But that's all the things that we'll just have to continue to work on
1: you like the way that you guys are progressing as far as playing off of the, the two big guys and the, the ball movement and the spacing? It seemed like that was really good tonight.
0: Yeah, we're getting better at that. And, uh, you know, the one thing we keep emphasizing is that you got, all right, you, got to have, you got to have spacing on the floor and we can't be on top of our big. So I thought we did a good job. Uh, you know, we did a better job than we did the last game. And I think as long as that's the case, you know, uh, and we're getting better at it. We'll continue to improve. You know, to me, the big thing was the defense. I thought we did a great job defensively. Uh, I thought we were too loose with these guys the first game we played, and you know, they got some great shooters. Valentine's a great shooter. You know, obviously, Miritich is a great shooter, and you know, and they can even bring guys off the bench that can shoot it. I thought we did a good job of getting into them a little bit more tonight, uh, and allowing. I think they shot 39 threes or something, made 11. So that's a a, a big drop off on what they did the last time because they heard us from the three-point line the last time.
2: All right, Daniel, so there you have it. Coach Gentry from last night. As we kind of set the table for the week, I did touch upon it before we listened to Coach's post-game presser, but at least now, Daniel, you get a couple of days on the practice floor before having to head out on Thursday to Memphis.
1: Absolutely. It's what you need. You need a couple days now, especially with Rondo out. Now you're going to see more of Drew Holiday working at the one during practice, Etuan Moore, Ian Clark, things like that. So I think these few days are going to be good for the Pelicans. But so I'm also curious to see how now this Rondo news affects how they play on Friday because Alvin Gentry has said this whole preseason that most likely this game against the Grizzlies, you're not going to see that many of the starters. But now with the injury, do you play them a little bit just so that you have more reps with Drew at the one or Etuan at the one or Ian Clark at the one as well? So I'm curious to see how... This plays out leading up to Friday's finale, which we thought would be just a let's get this over with time and game. Now we might see some rotation guys play a little bit.
2: Yeah, duly noted. And I think we'll probably have more on all of this on Wednesday's Black and Blue Report and for sure on Thursday's Alvin Gentry Show. Daniel, thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you, my um, friend. Nice job this weekend. Good stuff. When we come back, we'll uh, take you back to Chicago one more time. Bill Winnington is our final guest on this Black and Blue Report. Uh, he is one of the. He's one of those guys that when I get a chance to visit with him, uh, I do not miss. I do not miss, and I'm glad to share one of those uh, treasured visits with you in just a moment.
0: If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24 seven three sixty five. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. In
2: 1907, Dixie beer was a balanced, refreshing lager brewed with love and top quality ingredients it would grow to become something that connected us. The neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana.
0: Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today.
2: Bill Whittington was a member of that Bulls dynasty back in the 90s, played a large role in their success, and obviously had a front row seat to everything that surrounded Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Phil Jackson and what that franchise was able to do in dominating basically that decade. And He now is the radio analyst for the Chicago Bulls. And so he has that great mix of, of history with that franchise, obviously the league history now because of their place in the uh, in the collection of stories and uh, seasons and everything else but he's also just a dynamic personality who gets it and always has great perspective for us so with that being said I wanted to visit with him last night while the Pelicans were in Chicago kind of about the start of a new season and uh, I also asked him about these Golden State Warriors and what they've said recently about them their place and how it relates to maybe Chicago's from back in the 90s Bill, it's great to see you, especially for the second time in, what, a week?
4: Yeah, it's been it's been, it's been a long time, and obviously seeing you after uh, opening day was, you know, things worked out well for us. I mean, the Bulls shot the ball well. It was a beautiful thing.
2: That was a strange game, wasn't it? The First, the Pelicans run out there and score 47 points, and then you guys just
4: kind of said, all right, well, we'll take our turn now. You know, it, it, games are usually like that. You've been around long enough. You, you know, when teams come out and it looks like the route is on and it's over, and, and honestly... If there was anyone in that building that didn't think it was on, uh, they were mistaken. So the way it happened, you could kind of see that the Pelicans just kind of relaxed a little bit. and And the Bulls got their confidence and they started making some shots. And again... We did score 30 points in the first quarter, so that was still good, but then obviously the, our defense picked up a little bit and challenged a little more, especially in that third quarter where Pelicans really did struggle, but the defense was much much better where we attended at least cutters to the basket.
2: Yes well well uh, we'll observe there. you know uh, the Pelicans will play four preseason games. you guys will play a touch more than that. Do we have this right now? did we did we see the NBA make the right move in shortening the preseason and extending the the I guess the time period in which the regular season is going to be played?
4: Yes, I do. I, I definitely think so. And I think the Pelicans got it right. Four games, I think, is enough. You get uh, one game uh, in where you can get you know everyone on your roster some, some minutes because you got to bring guy, a couple guys in for camp because you're going to have practice pretty hard and you want to have two days. You just have ha- have to have enough bodies out there uh, to get, you know, basically if you've got 20 guys in camp, you got enough for four lines and you can play five on five, two games of five on five, and everyone gets a chance and it's different but four games the last two games you really settle into your rotations the coaches can and uh, you have enough practice the season starts about a week later so you have enough practice just to kind of fine tune things but you really don't need eight preseason games it's a lot it just I think it just kept people having extra players on the roster just to keep them around longer i think you're right i think you're right it um did you hear Steph Curry the other day
2: he said he wants the warriors to end up being like the jordan bulls and i guess he's talking about dynasty more than anything else but i wanted to bring it up since by the way you were a part of the jordan bulls so what, what do you what do you think when you hear something like that everybody wants to be
4: like mike and and do i i i would want to if i was on another team right now that's what i would want i mean okay. that's if you have that opportunity to to have a dynasty and have a team that's going to win you know six out of ten championships in in a, in a decade why not And that's they're, they're good enough right now they they have a great team and uh, obviously, honestly, in my opinion, if if they don't do that right now, I think the pressure's on them to do it. I think every, especially with what Jeff Van Gundy says, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're they're the team team that's going to win it for the next few years. So they, he's putting more and more pressure on them. So if you're Steph Curry or anyone else on that team, you'd want to to end up and have a dynasty like that. If not, like the Bulls, maybe a step better if they could. Let me poke the bear a little bit here for you.
2: You all did it with a different type of schedule too. So can we even compare the two eras? If let's say they do rip off, you know, a number of championships like you guys did, are they comparable be- it, it, with this much time in between?
4: They're they're always comparable, and you can always compare, and that's that's what our jobs are all about now is talking about it. So do I do I want them to be better than? I, no, I don't. But are, can they be? They got the potential to be just as good, if not better, right now. So you you have to. Uh, Look, look at what they're doing, uh, what they're projected to do, and then what, they, what they'll do in the end. Now, I, I do like to make one note, notice. I mean, the NBA is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the rules have changed. It's not as physical. Uh, the the seven-foot guys are no longer seven-foot guys, bruising guys, intimidating guys down low. They're almost three-point shooters, and, or most of them are, actually. Right. But uh, that part of the game has changed. So can they be like the Bulls and, and win and have a dynasty? Absolutely. Now, if you want to talk who's going to win in the game, it's a different beast, and, and I know Steve Kerr said it in an interview last year. He and I would have a tough time guarding uh, Draymond Green and Steph Curry, but then he does forget that we came off the bench, so we would probably wouldn't be playing them a whole lot. <laughs> glad you noted that, by the way.
2: Hey, what else is we get set for the start of the regular season? What else is intriguing you about things around the league as we get set to go?
4: I mean, the, the, the minor rule changes with the timeouts and the foul shots. The games are going a little bit quicker. There seems to be a little bit more continuity. Newity to the at least the three games that we've done right now. Uh, I like the fact that timeouts start right <laughs> – the timeout clock is starting uh, – halftime clock, excuse me, is starting right away. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> it, it just makes it, it – puts more emphasis on the game. I, I, I used to think there was a lot more emphasis on the things going on outside and around the game. But uh, so far it's been pretty good. I'm intrigued. You know, everyone talks about the East being really bad and, and the Bulls not doing well. Uh, we've, we've had three games. Two, in two of the games, we've shot the ball really well. In one game against Dallas, we didn't shoot the ball well. Uh, so I'm really interested to see how we come out tonight against you guys, a team that we shot the ball well, the adjustments that each team and coach will make tonight. Fair enough. Uh, what about the young players? Anybody
2: catch your eye here early on, and whether that be in your, in your organization or league-wide? It's, I think it's always fun to see what the new, the new guys are going to look like.
4: Well, I, you know what I, I caught uh what 's it the kids' Jordan Bell uh, a little bit this morning uh, with Golden State uh, in their route against uh, <clears throat> the Minnesota and he had about a four minute spurt where he had like eight or ten points in a row, two block shots, three of them were dunks, and he looked really good and then but he 's a guy that the bulls traded to Golden State uh, on the draft day, so he, he kind of intrigued me for a guy that i didn 't think i'd notice that much he played real well. I liked him, uh, and right now I'm, I'm, uh, we got Justin Holiday playing back on our team, and I really like what he's done for, for us uh, on our roster right now. So uh, there's a lot more going on. We're going to see a lot more. Obviously, I haven't seen much of Philadelphia, but I'm very intrigued to see what, I don't know if you want to call it one, two, or three of their rookies are going to do. Yeah,
2: like redshirt rookies or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Hey, since everybody else does it, I'll, I'll ask you to do it too. Is it Cleveland and Golden State again in the NBA Finals, or do you see a different scenario seven, eight months from now?
4: I think if everyone stays healthy, then yes, we'll see, we'll, we'll see those two teams. And I do like the way Cleveland played. I saw their first uh, uh, game that they played, and they played really well. They're going to be tough, and LeBron didn't play, uh, mind you. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch them. I think they, if they really gel and play well together now, Dwayne Wade is there, and Derek kind of plays the role that he started to play right now, they look pretty good. I
2: wish they'd kick us back to the Eastern Conference so I could see you more often.
4: It's, it's a lot of fun. I wish you were back here too, man. Thanks, Bill. Sean, always a pleasure, my
2: friend. Well, as you uh, just heard, you don't miss a chance to talk to Bill Winnington. Fantastic stuff. We will see Bill and the Bulls again here soon enough. These two teams will see each other in November in the regular season. The Bulls and the Pelicans split their two preseason games, the one winning on the other's floor. Next preseason game for the Pelicans, Friday night at Memphis against the Grizzlies. We'll get past that, it's time for the regular season. Can't wait, that's for sure. Can't wait for another visit with you on Wednesday. Our next black and blue report is yours, probably sometime midday on Wednesday. We'll fully be into the Saints week as they prepare for the Detroit Lions. We'll know more on the Pelican side about Rajon Rondo, and we'll uh, look forward to Friday night's preseason finale. Thanks again to Bill Winnington, Daniel Salerson, Alvin Gentry, and John DeShazer on this Monday. We're off and running. It's a brand-new week, and we thank you for being a part of our uh, first day moving forward. With that being said, I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you next time here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report.